Worth repeating is made possible by the 8020 Foundation, the City of San Antonio Department of Arts and Culture, Do210.com, Real Ale Brewing Company, and Texas A&M University in San Antonio. Welcome to the Worth Repeating Podcast. This is the second part of our live storytelling event recorded at Texas Public Radio headquarters in the Malou and Carlos Alvarez Theater and Studio. In this episode, we bring you the last three stories about confusing moments, language barriers, and other things that get lost in translation. Our next storyteller is Kristen Quintanilla. Kristen shares a story about an island adventure with the shadiest of strangers. Hello. So this story begins when I was a junior in high school, about 16 to 17 years old, and four friends and I decided to go on a trip to South Padre, as San Antonio teens do during spring break. And for some reason, one of my friend's parents was like, okay, I'm just going to be responsible for these five rambunctious teenagers about in South Padre. So we get there and we're spending like an, an evening on the beach and it's kind of dark at this point. So our friends decide to go back inside. We're getting all of our, we're drying our shoes off in the in the ocean or not drying them, but uh, getting the sand out. And you know how time consuming that can be because sand just never wants to leave any crevice or a- anywhere. So um, I'm washing off the shoes and I get back over to the place that we were sitting and I noticed everyone's already gone and they left all the stuff. So it was me and my friend Layla and we just decide, you know what? We're here anyway, all the stuff's here. We, we came to build sandcastles. We haven't built one sandcastle yet since being here. So we just, you know, got all of our tools, started making things happen. And then these two 14 year old girls just come running up to us and they're all like bubbly and like, oh my God, this guy over there, he's so creepy, but like, we wanna try and get him to buy us drinks. And I was like, okay, well, clearly you have like the sensibilities of a 14 year old, but I saw myself in that, I did. Cause I wasn't too far off. I was like, been in the mind of a teenage addict before. So we've been there and kind of like, you know, tried to take them under our wing, be like, talk to them for a little bit and try and convince them to not like, do that. <laughs> so we're talking to them and they tell us that they're actually students at Alamo Heights. So we were like, okay, we're both from San Antonio, got a little bond going. Um, but it, then a huge group of like these 17 to 18, older teenage boys walk by. Clearly they're all over that. So they go running over there and they're all chatting up with these guys. And my friend and I look at each other and we're just like, we don't see this ending well. <laughs> Like these two little 14 year olds and this group of a bunch of men. So we decided to walk with them and kind of like follow them, see where they were going. Cause these guys said that they had a bunch of like drinks and stuff back at their hotel and they wanted them to come over and hang out. So we start walking and we think it's gonna be like a 10 minute walk, maybe like 15. No, we're walking and it's been like 45 minutes. And our phones were dead as well. And like nobody from the hotel, the original group that we came with knew where we were. 
Um, so we're walking down this beach and eventually like I start noticing some of the guys who are walking with us are just like walking off and then another one walks in, another one walks off, and another one walks in. So it's kind of weird and like by the time we're like 30 minutes in, it's just a whole different group of guys. Um, so one of the guys that walked in randomly was this man with a really thick Russian accent. I thought it like had to be fake, but he was not like letting up on us. So I was like, okay, I believe you, you're Russian. Um, so he starts walking with us and he starts kind of talking to me and my friend and he's like, you are the alphas. And I was like, okay, I guess I found an ally here. So um, we start kind of walking again towards the group and eventually my friend and I, uh, the, the guys kept asking us if we knew Spanish and we didn't want them to know that we knew kind of like what they were saying. So we were just like, no, we don't know anything. <laughs> and so we hear them talking and they're kind of just saying like, oh, well only the girls can have the drinks, not the guys and all this stuff. And I turned to my friend and I'm like, well, this is kind of odd. It's a little peculiar. Um, so we, I, I turned to this Russian guy who I've now like considered my ally and I'm like, okay, dude, you're gonna go over there and get the girls to come back with us and we're just gonna start walking back to the hotel cause there ain't nothing good coming of this. So we start walking and eventually he catches up to like the front of the group and they're over there. Um, and I guess the, the group of guys didn't really like that. He wanted them to leave. Um, and they started kind of like getting into like a fight. <laughs> so, you know, I'm just over here like on the side watching, like throwing up in the ocean. <laughs> Cause for whatever reason, like whenever I'm in a high intensity situation, my body is just like, let me just throw up right now. That, that would be the best thing to do. I would definitely survive in a zombie apocalypse. Um, <laughs> but so this doesn't work out and I'm like, okay, screw this. We're just gonna start walking back. It's not worth it. Um, so we start walking back and it's a long ass walk. So we're just, you know, strolling, strolling. And eventually we decided to take a break. And then this, the, the Russian dude kind of starts flirting with my friend and you know, they sit down and like lay down on the sand and watch the, I'm, I'm in the back over here. Like our phones are dead and we've been gone for like two hours at this point. Nobody knows where we are. We should probably get, get a move on here. We gotta get going. So, um, you know, a few minutes pass and we start walking back and eventually like we get back to our hotel and the whole time we're walking there, he just keeps like making these really odd observations about us. He's like, do you have a lighter? And I was like, yes, but don't lose it. And he was like, did your ex give this to you? And I was like, yes, but stop trying to read me. Like, <laughs> you don't know my life. Um, so, you know, we're walking back and we keep, you know, trying to leave. And this guy is just not letting up. And my friend was not like doing anything about it. And he had taken kind of like a liking to her. So he was all trying to like, you know, get her to go back to his hotel with him. And he was like, oh, I have a driver and this stuff. And I was like, this is just, you know, this is not good. It's not giving me good vibes. And eventually I start getting kind of mad because I'm like, there's obviously like people looking for us right now. We have to get back up to that hotel. And so also on the walk back, he like brought out this butterfly knife and started doing like a bunch of butterfly knife tricks because that's also a bunch of uh, a popular activity with the teens, I guess. 
Um, so, oh, and all, we were neither, neither of us were off put by this. We were just like, oh, cool. Um, <laughs> but I remembered that. I took a note, and I took a note about like where he'd put it. So we go back, and we finally make it back to our original spot, back to the hotel, and he's just like, you know, still not letting us go, not letting up, and eventually, I just get like super upset, but I notice my friend is not, still not doing anything. So I run over and I like go into this guy's bag and I grab his like little butterfly knife. And he, at this point he was like grabbing my friend, trying to like get her to come with him. And I just grabbed her hand and like ran. So I'm like running with one shoe, this butterfly knife in my hand. And um, we made it out alive, we made it out alive. We went back to the hotel and of course the police are there waiting for us. Um, and my friend, her stepdad is a cop, so she just like has this thing where she refuses to speak to the police. So it was just me <laughs> trying to explain this whole story. I was like, so there's 14 year old girls and like, uh, we didn't just like go run away. You should probably go check on them. But um, thankfully nothing came of that. Thankfully we made it out alive and um, Nothing happened. We didn't get kidnapped by a Russian man. <laughs> Our next storyteller is Gideon Rogers. Gideon shares a story about the importance of pronunciation when learning a new language. Hello. <laughs> so I taught for 10 years. Thank you. Thank you. That's, <laughs> that's the right response. Um, I didn't make it. Uh, <laughs> teaching's hard. It's a pretty hard job. Um, being a kid is harder, I think. After teaching, I think I, I'll give it to them. Um, so this is a story about a kid and I actually have this belief. I don't think that there's any such thing as a bad kid. I think that's because I was one. <laughs> so it's hard for me. Uh, so this is a story about the first bad kid I ever taught. Before we get to the kid, we've got to take a trip. So imagine it's 2012. Yeah, the end of the world. It was a hot summer in San Antonio, so it was pretty bad. Um, <laughs> it's 2012, but I'm not in San Antonio. I'm in Seoul, South Korea. I'm in Incheon Airport, Incheon Internet International, just by myself with a backpack, and I'm looking for a guy who I know exists because of Facebook. That's what we were using in 2012. Facebook. I think I Skyped with him once. And he was to be my boss, the sponsor of my visa, my work visa in Korea, and my landlord. So you can imagine how fun that is to have a landlord and a boss who's the same human being. <laughs> so I find him. It's all good. He takes me to my apartment, tells me the rules because he's the landlord. 
uh, and then he says on his way out, he says, you know, you're working on Monday, right? This is Saturday. And I said, yeah, I know, you know, I'm pretty jet lagged, but I'm ready to, to do my time, sit in for a week or so with some other teachers and learn what you guys do here. This is teaching English. And he says, no, 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 no. There was a scheduling conflict. The person who was supposed to teach you, train you, whatever, they missed their flight in Bali, as you do. <laughs> it happens. When you want to have a longer vacation in Bali, you miss your flight. So he says, <laughs> so he says, you're, you're going to be, you're going to be going alone. And I said, I'm going to be alone? Yes. Like teaching alone. Yes. Teaching kids. At this point, he's just nodding because he's over this conversation. He's kind of like looking at his phone and he's just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so he leaves and I sleep until Monday because I am so jet lagged. So Monday morning, I'm up. It's a lot like this. <laughs> I'm up in front of a class. I've never done this before. I've never taught. In fact, on my resume, in previous work experience, it says, waiter at P.F. Chang's. which doesn't serve Korean food. So I was pretty lost, but I was powering through. I was like, you know, I'm gonna do this cause I can't go home cause I sold my truck to get here and I don't have any money. So I'm gonna just kind of try this out. My mom's in the audience. She's going, mm-hmm. <laughs> First day. So I'm, I'm there, I'm teaching, I'm doing a okay job. And in the back of the classroom, I see a group of boys bad boys, the bad kids. I can spot a bad kid because I was. So I'm like, oh no, I, I know how to spot a bad kid, but I don't know how to deal with a bad kid. What do I do here? So I figure I'm gonna ignore it. I'm just gonna ignore this. I'm just gonna teach. After class, I go to my boss. I go back to him and I say, look, I don't know what to do. I've got this group of kids. They're troublemakers. And he said, okay, find the leader. The one who's making the most noise. And move him to the front of the classroom. So I say, okay, cool. That sounds, that sounds like a teacher thing. Sounds like what a teacher would do. So, you know, me with no experience, except for P.F. Chang's. <laughs> hey, you laugh, but I can use the hell out of some chopsticks, man. It looks good. It's impressive. Um, so, so I go back to the class and I'm like, okay, I'm going to yell at this kid. I'm going to yell at a child. <laughs> That's what teachers do. I'm a teacher now. This is day one. So I go back to class and what I'm really hoping for is nothing. I'm just hoping this kid stays quiet, but nope. They go crazy. The whole group of them. So I spot the leader because he's a, the loudest and B, the least funny, which reminds me of myself when I was that age. So I was like, okay, that's the leader. That's the kid with the lowest self-esteem. <laughs> yeah, that's how you find them. So, so I, I shouted. I said, hey, what's your name? And he stood up and he said, my name's June. And I said, I don't care what your name is. Come sit at the front of the room. Yeah, pretty good, pretty good. 
and he 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 chilled out. He calmed down. He was he just sat and he 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 actually participated in the lesson. It was really cool. And after the class, he came up and he said, "Teacher, I'm sorry." Yeah, I know. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, "Wow, teacher of the year on day one." I know why you're thinking that because I was thinking that too. I was like, I did it. I reached out and I touched a child right on his heart. So he tells me, look, I know you're new to Korea. It's very broken English, but he, he was actually pretty good at speaking English. And he said, look, I know you're new to Korea. I'm going to teach you some Korean. And I said, okay, cool. Don't spoil it. So he says, can you count? And I say, no. And he says, I'm going to teach you to count in Korean. If anybody in this crowd speaks Korean, you already know where this is going. So shut up. <laughs> so I decide, okay, look, I, I don't know anything. This is great. I'm going to learn so much from this kid. And, you know, he's going to teach me. I like to think they're teaching me, you know? <laughs> Are you kidding? Okay. So June, <laughs> June and I spend a week together. We hang out because I'm like, I'm going to use my lunch breaks. I'm going to hang out with June. So I hang out with June and he teaches me to count. Yeah, all the way to 20. Pretty impressive. Yeah. So at the end of the week, he says, Teacher, you should go up in front of the classroom and count. So I went up in front of the classroom and I was feeling real good. I was feeling really good about myself. So I started counting all the way up to 20 in Korean. And at about like 17, 18, everybody started laughing at me. And I felt weird about that. I was like, I don't, I don't remember the last time that somebody counted and it was funny. <laughs> so I went back to my boss and I was like, hey, everybody laughed at me. And he was like, what'd you do? I was like, I don't know. I'd counted in Korean to 20. And so he said, can you count for me? So I counted. And then at about 18, he started laughing. And he was like, <laughs> he was like dude, who taught you that? And I was like, oh, this kid in my class taught me that. And, and, and he was like, oh, so I, I'm going to go ahead and show you what I did in English. I'm just going to translate it for you. So I'm going to start it, and we'll start at 15. 15, 16, 17, fuck, 19. 20. <laughs> so my decision is this. I decide, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pretend this never happened. I'm just going to go back to class and teach. Go back to class. I start teaching. But my, my manager comes in. He's talking to June. I can see that things are going bad. It's bad. June's busted. And I'm like, and I'm thinking, part of me is thinking justice is served. And the other part of me is thinking, I remember that. So then he's sitting, he's angry, but I don't care. I'm doing my PowerPoint now. I'm onto my PowerPoint. We're doing things you see in nature. Yeah, it's a good one. Kids are saying things like, I see a cloud. 
I see trees. I see Slender Man. It's 2012, okay? I think Gangnam Style was playing somewhere. <laughs> All right, and so then I get to this picture of a waterfall. And I show the waterfall to the classroom and, and suddenly nobody has an answer. And I say, guys, what is this? And it's silent, kind of like now, just silent. And so I'm like, I'm gonna help him out. It's a, it's, it's a water, a water, and nobody, nobody's gonna get it because the water part's the easy part, I think, actually. <laughs> and so, so June, my little buddy June looks around and he notices, oh man, nobody knows it. So June puts his hand up and I say, June, thank you. What do you see? And he stays quiet and I go, June, it's a water. And in perfect English, perfect pronunciation, June says, fuck you. As a teacher, you have choices in a, in a situation like that. You have to make a choice. And my choice was, <laughs> my choice was to laugh a lot, so much that I had to leave the room. <laughs> and then the kids were like, oh, that's funny. So when I came back in, they were all chanting, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. And I'm not even kidding, I danced like a little bit. Like there's a little bit of a dance in there. Anyway, I like to think they're teaching me. Thank you. Our final storyteller is Issa Arson. Issa shares a story about her dad's innate ability to turn a phrase. That's a good song. Good pick. That's a good one. That'll make sense in a second. So, um, my dad is a fucking rock star. And I don't say that because he has any innate musical talent. We shared a piano teacher for a few months, and um, he learned a single concerto by Edvard Grieg, and then said, thank you very much, this is not for me. And he doesn't play any more music. Um, but he loves music, and we share a lot of things in common. We both love music. Uh, we're both very tall. He is Norwegian. Uh, he knows how to sneak all of the really good European chocolate without my mom noticing it at all. And he taught me. So we got really good kind of partner in crime. She'd be like, where did it all go? And we'd have a mouthful of chocolate and say, I don't know. Uh, so my dad is Norwegian. He came over here uh, in his late 30s, I guess. I, I don't know exactly when. Uh, you know, nobody really knows how old their dad is. Um, but... <laughs> He has a very, very thick accent, and uh, my sister and I just got really good at understanding it, but of course, you know, we have friends who, like, our dad would pick us up from school, or he'd come to go see a show it, that we were in or something, and we'd have our friends come up and be like, dude, is that your dad? And he'd say, yeah, you know, that's our dad, and they'd say, well, this, what is he, like, Russian or something? And we'd say, no, 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 he's Norwegian. And they'd say, oh, is that, like, Sweden or something? <laughs> And that's a really funny joke that offends a lot of people. If you know if you know anything about Scandinavia, it's great. Um, so no, he's he's very interesting. Um, he's very soft spoken. He's very chill. You know, nothing really bothers this guy. He's super super Norwegian, and with any foreign dad comes very creative idioms, 
And, you know, we have idioms in English. We've got, it's raining cats and dogs. I'm so hungry I could eat a horse. We have really weird stuff. Every language has weird stuff. But the magic happens when you try to translate that weird stuff into literally any other language. So here are a few of the greatest hits from my childhood. We've got coming in from a long day working outside in the summer. And he says, oh, I'm as thirsty as a mailman. That's my mom's favorite. Or he comes home from a doctor's appointment that went perfectly well. He's in fine health. And we say, hey, how'd it go? And he says, well, I'm healthy as a fish. <laughs> and one that I still think is like the funniest thing I've ever heard. Uh, you call him up on a Sunday and you say, hey, it's a Sunday. What do you got going on? He says, oh, nothing much. I think I just am probably going to I'm going to wedge all day. Which, of course, means veg. When, you know, you get your W's and your V's mixed up, it's great. That's, this, you know, that's something that you can't unlearn, no matter how many years of English you speak. So, you know, unflappable guy. Any, any lesser person would be really bothered by people taking humor in the way that you say things. But he loves it. He's, he's kind of, you know, he's a quiet guy, but he really is the life of the party. You get him at a dinner party, he's kind of quiet, but, like, he says a couple things and you never... You never forget him. He's great. He's also six and a half feet tall. So there's that. Um, but unfortunately, sometimes really bad shit happens to really good people. And truly, an act of God comes out of nowhere in the way that like, he likes to just pepper things in to make sure you're still paying attention and like still have a reason to go to church on Sundays. So unfortunately, the coast of North Carolina is the worst place in the world, in my opinion. Uh, my dad had an accident there, got tossed by a wave, paralyzed from the neck down. And this was a couple years ago. He's doing great. But it was tough. It was totally out of the blue. We didn't expect it. He is, you know, he was in perfect health. He's still, you know, he's in good health. But, you know, you're in physical therapy for a long time. And it's an exercise in having very, very big emotions for very small pieces of progress. <laughs> you really have to track that stuff on a very gradual scale. Um, so the whole time, even from like day one in the hospital, he was like, this is bad. I'm not having a great time, but I'm going to walk again. And every single one of his doctors would come through, like the social worker would come and be like, oh, how are you doing? Are you doing okay? Do you need to talk? And he'd be like, no, I'm okay. I'm just like, that's it. And sort of like, you know, are you sure? You want to talk to somebody? I'm okay. And you just take him at face value. Um, but the whole process took a long time. But it was sort of, you know, you experience the little things. He would move a pinky finger and I would just burst into tears. And it would be like, you know, Christmas and every single holiday happening at once. Or like he'd, you know, lift his arm and we'd like sneak a bottle of wine into the hospital room and not tell our nurses. It was great. We had a number of parties for little milestones. But a really cool thing that the process gave us was that my dad finally said an idiom that made sense. Um, so he was with my mom one day and kind of doing his exercises and he moved one of his feet. And his feet were one of the last things that, you know, he started moving. And, uh, she looked up at him and she was like, whoa, you just moved your foot. And he kind of gave her his little like barely there Clint Eastwood smile and he said, see, don't sell the farm yet. 
he got it. He got one. So, you know, my dad and I are a lot alike, but a thing that we don't have in common is that chill. <laughs> you know, he's got the stoic Nordic way of sort of accepting life as it is, saying this is, I'm going to be fine and I'm just going to keep going. And I unfortunately got the Italian side of things from my mom's mom, which is like, I can imagine every single way that every little thing can go wrong at once. And I will believe that they're all going to go wrong at once. So it's very inspiring for me to see the way that my dad can just accept life and understand that this is the hand that he's been dealt and he's just going to play it. So, you know, looking up at my dad, I have very steadily begun to learn to not count my chickens before they hatch. And I don't know how they say that one in Norwegian, but I'm sure that they have something comparable. <laughs> right. That's it for the Worth Repeating podcast, Como. Worth Repeating returns in September with a whole new season. Want to be a part of next season? Learn more about what it takes to volunteer with Worth Repeating by visiting tpr.org backslash WR and check out our storyboard application today. This season wouldn't have been possible without our current storyboard. I'm endlessly thankful for their participation. Also this fall, Worth Repeating in print? That's right. Worth Repeating, San Antonio Stories is a book featuring a collection of 40 true tales, epic adventures, and intimate revelations. From last chances to first tries, all of these personal narratives were originally performed in front of a live audience at TPR's Worth Repeating Storyteller series. Be sure to follow TPR and Trinity University Press on social media to stay in the loop for all things launch party and more on where to find the San Antonio Jewel. Worth Repeating is made possible by the 8020 Foundation, City of San Antonio Department of Arts and Culture, Do210.com, Real Ale Brewing Company, and Texas A&M University at San Antonio. Worth Repeating is a production of Texas Public Radio. I'm Tori Poole. Thanks for listening. <laughs>